The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the humble origins of volleyball, including its surprising connection to that other sport created in western Massachusetts in the 1890s. You know, the one with the basket. The day was February 9th, 1895. The first game of volleyball was played at the YMCA in Holyoke, Massachusetts. The sport was invented by the wise 25-year-old physical education director, William Morgan. He had been looking for a new, less vigorous activity for the center's older participants, and when he realized none of the existing sports fit the bill, he decided to create his own. William George Morgan was born on January 23, 1870, in Lockport, New York. He spent his youth attending public school and working in his father's boatyard on the banks of the old Erie Canal. When he was 21, Morgan enrolled at the Mount Hermon Prep School in Northfield, Massachusetts, and began playing football. Not long after, he formed a friendship with James Naismith, a physical education teacher and the originator of basketball. Naismith was impressed with Morgan's skills on the field and invited him to continue his education at the YMCA Training School in Springfield, Massachusetts, now known as Springfield College. Morgan took him up on the offer and played on the school's famous championship football team for the next several years. In 1895, about a year after his graduation, Morgan accepted the position of physical education director at the YMCA in Holyoke, less than 10 miles up the road from Springfield. One of Morgan's primary duties was to coordinate activities for the wise participants. At the time, most of the members wanted to play basketball, the hot new sport that Naismith had invented in Springfield less than four years earlier. 
However, shortly into his tenure, Morgan realized that basketball was too rough and physically demanding to be played by the middle-aged businessmen who frequented his athletic center. The same was true for most other indoor sports, so he started brainstorming ideas for a new game, one that would have a, quote, strong athletic impulse, but no physical contact. To strike that balance, Morgan combined features from multiple different sports. From tennis, he took the net. From handball, he took the use of hands. From baseball, he took the idea of innings, though that would eventually be phased out. And from basketball, he took the ball itself. And when that proved too heavy and cumbersome, he later swapped it for the rubber bladder inside the ball. The resulting Frankensport was played a lot like badminton, so Morgan did one more bit of borrowing and dubbed his new game Mintonette. The name wasn't the only thing different from what we now know as volleyball. First off, the game consisted of nine innings, just like baseball. There also wasn't a limit to the number of players on the court at any given time, and each side was allowed to hit the ball as many times as they needed to get it over the net. Oh, and spiking the ball wasn't a thing yet. That Filipino innovation wouldn't arrive until 1916. Beyond those few differences, though, Morgan's sport was played much as it is today, as evidenced by his original description of the gameplay. Mintonet play, he wrote, involves keeping a ball in motion from side to side over a high net with any number of persons being able to participate on each side. The game is initiated by a person on one side hitting the ball over the net to the opponent's side. The opponent must not allow the ball to hit the floor and the goal is to return the ball over the net. This way, the ball goes back and forth until it is hit out or lands on the opponent's side of the floor. Morgan first tried out the game with some participants at the Holyoke Y on February 9, 1895. It was well enough received that he continued to fine-tune the game for the rest of the year. Then, in 1896, he organized an exhibition match at the YMCA Physical Directors Conference. The other faculty members praised the sport's accessibility and challenge, but Professor Alfred Halstead did have one suggestion. He thought the name Mintonette was too vague, so he recommended replacing it with volleyball, as he felt it better expressed the object of the game, to volley the ball back and forth. Morgan welcomed the feedback and adopted the new name right away, though it's worth noting that the original version was two words, volley and ball. It wasn't until 1952 that the name was officially changed to just the one word. Following the successful demonstration in 1896, volleyball was gradually introduced at YMCA's across the country. It steadily gained in popularity, and in 1900, the rules of the sport were formally approved and published by the WISE National Board of Directors. That same year, Morgan teamed up with local sporting goods manufacturer A.G. Spaulding, to finally solve the game's long-standing ball problem. The result was a specially designed ball, roughly 25 inches in circumference. Like a basketball, it was made of a rubber bladder encased in leather, only much smaller and lighter. With its own distinct equipment and official rulebook, the sport of volleyball had finally arrived, and over the next two decades, the game would spread all over the world. It was played at the WISE athletic centers in regions like India, China, Europe, South America, and Africa. 
and because the organization provided sports equipment and trainers to the U.S. Army, volleyball even found its way into foreign markets that the YMCA hadn't entered yet, such as Cuba and Italy. Volleyball's reach extended even further in the 1920s when women began playing the game, and by the 1930s, national volleyball championships were being played in a host of countries. In fact, the world's first national championship was held by the newly formed Soviet Union, and one match was even played on the stage of the Bolshoi Theater. William Morgan got to witness the incredible expansion of his homegrown sport, but on December 27, 1942, he passed away from pneumonia at the age of 68. His time on the court had come to an end, but the sport he created was just getting started. Up until that point, the rules of the game had varied from one region of the world to the next. But in 1947, an association was formed that would govern volleyball at the international level. Established in Paris by representatives from 14 different nations, it was called the International Federation of Volleyball, or the FIVB. Under the leadership of its first president, Francis Paul Libot, the FIVB organized the first volleyball world championships for men in 1949 and the first for women in 1952. Since then, the FIVB has grown into one of the largest sporting associations in the world, with more than 200 affiliated bodies all over the globe. In 1964, volleyball's worldwide popularity helped it earn recognition as an official Olympic sport, it made its debut that year at the Tokyo Games, with the first gold medals going to the Russian men's team and the Japanese women's team. The version played in Tokyo was traditional indoor volleyball, but beach volleyball would eventually be made an Olympic sport as well, first appearing at the Atlanta Games in 1996. The outdoor variant of volleyball had been played in California since the 1920s, but due to the specificity of its venue, it had taken a little longer to catch on in other places. Nearly 130 years after the sport's creation, volleyball is now one of the most played team sports in the world. According to the FIVB, there are approximately 7 million volleyball players in the U.S. alone, and more than 800 million globally. What had started as a safe way for aging businessmen to get some exercise is now one of the most popular pastimes on the planet. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions you'd like to share, you can always send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.